Hello and welcome to the second episode of Dr Blackgrass On Air. In this week's show we'll hear from one farm and one Bayer trial site where they've dealt with some really tricky resistant blackgrass. This follows on from last week where we heard from Paul Neve and Gordon Anderson-Taylor about the science behind resistance. Earlier this month I visited Bayer's crop open day at Long Sutton in South Lincolnshire, a part of the country with some quite difficult blackgrass, and I spoke to one farmer about what he's doing on his farm. He's based near the Boston area and he prefers to remain anonymous, but he is happy to tell us about the situation that he's dealing with. I started by asking him how the resistance problem built up. Well, I think, uh, you know, it's a heavy land farm. We grow oilseed rape, we grow cereals. Uh, it's, we've been encouraging blackgrass just from that cultural point of view for many years. Also, um, the herbicides that we used uh, 30, 40 years ago, the IPUs, Clortolyron, they had a level of uh, activity against blackgrass, but it wasn't 100%. Effectively, we, we've been selected for resistance with herbicides on the farm, as have all our neighbours, as have most of the agricultural industry. And 30 or 40 years later, we've got resistant populations of blackgrass, which are very difficult to do with, uh, with herbicides. And when did you notice the tipping point on your farm, that um, I would say, conventional techniques I would working? say it's come, in the last four or five years, it's become much more significant. We've had two or three really bad years, uh, 2013, uh, a lot of blackgrass... I would say the last four or five years have really been uh, a bit of a game changer in the, in the amount of blackgrass that we've seen and the, the resistance to the herbicides that we've used. I'm sure that story is fairly familiar to many farms. I then went on to ask him about how he's dealing with the problem. It's made us really focus on both the cultural aspects and the um, ag chem aspects of getting in amongst the blackgrass, both reducing the populations in the longer term and targeting much more specifically the fields that we know to be difficult fields for blackgrass with you know, correct timing, correct application of, uh, of ag-chem. Which ag-chems are you still using if you've got a big resistance? Well, liber- Liberator's a fairly significant chemical um, and Avidex uh, is very significant uh, plus various uh, mixes with that. Um, DFF, Flufenacet, um, a load of things I can't just <laughs> think of off the top of my head but uh, pretty much the whole spectrum uh, active ingredients have been loaded on at various times in various places You're finding that these days you're applying quite significant pre Well we're actually, we're actually decided that we can't go on uh, applying as much stuff it's not sustainable We're trying to use better techniques, better timings and cultural control is much more uh, significant The economics of production mean that you know, there is a limit to the ag-chem budget and cultural control is the only way forward in the longer term to reduce the general blackgrass population on the farm. OK, so what kind of things are you doing? Well, we're trying to encourage stale seabeds, trying to encourage the blackgrass to germinate and get it killed before we drill any of the crops. We have delayed drilling, which can be problematic on heavy land farm. Uh, we're also using more spring cropping, which again is, a, is an extension of, of getting stale seabirds, getting the blackgrass to germinate in a non-crop situation and getting it killed off before we get round to the spring to, to drill anything. It's well accepted that stale seabirds and delayed drilling are a crucial part of the solution, but this farmer has found that achieving a good stale seabed is easier said than done. When you go to some of the technical meetings, uh, the people who give the presentation seem to think a stale seabed is a done deal. You just leave it a little while and uh, the blackgrass germinates. We find that Often the blackgrass has got high dormancy. On a heavy land farm, we often haven't got enough moisture for it really to get away uh, after harvest. We're doing perhaps uh, two or three cultivations to try and encourage the stuff to, to germinate. We often find that by the time it does germinate, we're getting later into the autumn. And we often find that a stale seed bed is actually a relatively small amount of the total seed bank in the soil. So it can be problematic. However, if you do get a good germination of blackgrass in the right situation, uh, not too late in the year, and you get it killed off, it can be very significant to controlling blackgrass in that crop in that particular year. 
And have you experimented with different ways of yes, promoting chitting? <laughs> we have actually, we have, yeah, very shallow cultivations, deeper cultivations, uh, num- you know, number of passes, uh, also things like um, rolling after cultivating, which again is problematic because if, you, if it turns wet after that, you often find that the land has lost its structure and you can't get it drilled. Uh, we've done lots of things, uh, sometimes things that are counterintuitive, such as rolling on heavy land farm late in the autumn uh, in a stale seabird situation. So we, we've tried lots of things and tried to adopt a sort of a horses for courses approach so that we know which fields we can target with more um, sort of soil damaging techniques and which fields to avoid doing that. Um, so it's, it's a very complex situation. There's no one solution fits all. Thanks a lot. So there are clearly some reasons for optimism and taking a range of approaches definitely has some benefits. But sometimes with so many different options out there with cultivations and products, it can be difficult to know what will work well on any particular farm. To help with this, Matt Garnett and Darren Adkins of Bayer decided to do some large-scale trials at a farm near Navenby in Lincolnshire. The farm had some highly resistant black grass, so it was an ideal place to test out the performance of a whole range of products. Matt told me more about this at Long Sutton. Matt, can you tell us a little bit about why you set up the trial? Well, particularly one of the reasons um, for setting up the trial um, is so that so lo- local farmers, local agronomists have somewhere to look at um, that can compare different chemistry working in a particularly difficult situation. Um, so on this farm, we really do compare a wide range of pre-emergence applications and then o- oversprayed with uh, post-emergence applications at different timings throughout the season. Um, and in, in particular this year, uh, one of the, be- the best treatments that's worked is a flirtimone um, treatment. So it's flufenacet, DFF and a flirtimone with addition of a sulfur carbon pre- pre-emergence. That's worked very well and this is the third year consecutively it has worked well. Um, and then to reduce the numbers further, later on in the season, um, so we're looking into sort of early November timing, we've actually gone, gone back in with uh, Atlantis plus um, 0.3 Liberator. That will then um, reduce the numbers further and that's our cleanest plot on the site. Matt, you mentioned that you've been working on this site for three years. So can you tell us what the site was like three years ago? Yes, it's on the same farm, um, but we, we, we use diff- different fields, but particularly because it's a serious black rest problem. And we really want to try and, and pu- push the chemistry as much as possible. Um, so we're very much similar to a commercial situation that farmers and agronomists will see out in the commercial world. So we then ap- apply um, a, pre- a pre-emergence. So we get, try and get stretch and push the pre-emergence chemistry as much as possible. Okay, and what kind of uh, black grass populations were on this farm? Well, on the, on the, on the farm, it's confirmed a triple R uh, resistant um, to Atlantis uh, and to FOPs and DIMS chemistry. Uh, and also it's a sing- it's single R resistance to um, pendimethylin. So pendimethylin is still quirk- working quite well on this farm. Um, but the other chemistry, such as sulfur carb and flufenacet, it's still susceptible to, to, the, to that chemistry. And what kind of uh, black grass headcount per square metre were we looking at? Well, in the untreated this year, we're, we're looking between 500 and 600 heads per square metre. OK, that's quite significant. And with your you know, uh, chemical control programmes, what kind of sort of dent were you making in those numbers? Right, for example, our best treatment, which was a, a Vigon or Movon um, situation, so that's a uh, flufenacet, DFF and flirtimone mix, um, plus the persulfur carb, that was reducing the, the numbers from the, sort of the 500 to 600 meters head, heads per metre squared down to 20 heads per metre squared just from applying that pre-em on a well-timed pre-em. OK, and presumably once it's down to 20 heads per square metre, you can then use a post-em product. Yes, then, so, so then... then now we've reduced those numbers to a, a much more manageable level, we can then come back in at a, po- a post-emergent situation um, and then we, we can top, top up the flu fenacet levels 
and using and using Atlantis there to reduce the numbers even further. So, for example, we've gone we've gone in with Vigon or Movon plus Defy, mm-hmm. um, then followed up six weeks later with an Atlantis plus 0.3 of Liberator. That has then reduced the heads even further to five heads per meter squared. And you said you've brought about 150 farmers and agronomists around the site. Uh, what have their thoughts been? Their, their thoughts have been uh, very positive to see, actually see that we can actually do something with chemistry and it's all to do with the quality of application and timings. Um, but for, for farmers and agronomists to see a, a range of um, pre-emergent chemistry and post-emergent chemistry at different timings all in one spot has been very useful for people to see that all together and have a tour around the site. And uh, are you planning to do the same this autumn going into next season? Yes, we're planning to repeat this process um, and the trial next year. Um, we'll also come into this autumn. So, uh, yeah, it's, we, we try, really want to keep this visual aid going. And if you're interested in finding out more about the Navenby site or going for a visit, you can find out how to contact Matt or Darren on the Bayer Crop Science website. You may remember that Matt mentioned Move-On and Vigon as products that perform very well against blackgrass. For those of you who aren't aware, these are pre-formulated products that are equivalent to a Liberator plus Baccarat tank mix. Now for a quick roundup of harvest news. I'm sure that everyone's well aware of the delays in harvest because of the heavy rain over the last week. But in spite of the rain, a fair amount of winter barley has already been brought in, particularly in more southern areas. And many people have also made a start on oilseed rape as well. So far, reports of yields and quality are reasonable, but not exceptional. But with so much still to come in, we won't have a good idea of the national picture for some time yet. People now are waiting for a drier and hopefully warmer spell so that the wheat finishes maturing and is ready for harvest. If you have any comments and thoughts about today's show or about what's happening on your farm, please tweet us at Dr. Blackgrass. That's it for episode two. In next week's show, we'll be looking at using Blackgrass Maps, and that's available on the 5th of August. We hope you can join us then. Goodbye.